Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. Uh, I don't see anything in the fridge. But there is some cornbread over here. And we're talking to Deanna Fox, a food and agriculture writer. She is also a cooking instructor. And she's here today to talk to us not only about cast iron, but also how you can use cast iron because it's pretty versatile is what we were talking about earlier. Right, right. Cast iron is pretty much a utility implement. You can really do anything in it. Well, specifically, I know Dave and I are interested in how to use cast iron pots and pans and things, right. use them in the summer, because a lot of times you don't want to turn your oven on. You want to be able to have all those tasty things, but yep. not necessarily have the heat in the house. Right. I think people create this association that because cast iron is a heavy pot, you need to cook heavy things in it, but that's not always true. You can cook, mm-hmm. just do a quick saute on vegetables or sear some fish. It doesn't have to be anything really heavy. You don't have to cook you know, beef bourguignon in it in the middle of July. The thing about cast iron that's really nice is that it holds on to heat really well. And it can stand up to really high heat. So you can't put it on a really high grill and it's not going to bother anything. So if you have like little things, like if you want to do potatoes or small vegetables that you feel might fall down through the grate on the grill, you have your pan right there. So it's really easy to cook small things on there. Same with fish. Fish gets flaky, Mm -hmm. can fall off or a shrimp, something like that. It's right there. And I actually like the result of cooking on cast iron on a grill better than just cooking it on a grill because you still get the same flavor. Even if you do like a charcoal or do uh, wood chips that you would smoke in your grill, you still get that flavor. But there's this thing that's really great called the Maillard effect. And it was invented by this chemist named Louis Maillard in like the early 1900s. And he was trying to figure out how basically how amino acids or how proteins synthesize. And so when you sear a steak, you get that brown crust on there and Mm -hmm. that tastes really good that's why a seared steak tastes a lot better than like a boiled steak Mm -hmm. Um, because you create essentially what you're doing is creating carbon so when you put something on a flat cast iron pan you're getting more surface contact and therefore more carbon and therefore more flavor so i think it actually tastes better when you do cast iron on the grill sure you have one more thing that you have to clean but just crank the heat up and kind of scrub out your pan and everything's going to come right off of there i cook a lot of vegetables like Mm -hmm. asparagus and Mm -hmm. my wife likes fish we cook a lot of fish Mm-hmm. on the grill in the summer mm-hmm. and our we have a little pan that we just throw on there but it's getting a little old yeah <laughs> so maybe instead of buying a new one yeah we'll just we have a cast iron pan we yeah. can just throw that on there this summer yeah and cast iron you can have it forever i have pans that are three or four times as old as i am and as long as you take care of them you really as we were talking about before the more you use it the better it gets yeah so yeah yep. I was just saying that because my grandmother, well, it's my great-grandmother. I'm dating myself. (laughs) Um, She's 93 years old, and she gave me a cast iron pan because she has a set of them. She has a large one, a medium one, and a really small one. And she asked me which one I wanted. I took the medium-sized one. Mm -hmm. And I think over time they just get better. Like nothing sticks to that pan. Right. Nothing at all. Yeah. What's happening is, well, you season it. Mm-hmm. And it's probably she's probably been seasoning it for however many years. So it's longer got a really, than I've been alive. Yeah, <laughs> got a really great seasoning on there. And when mm-hmm. we say seasoning, what that means is some sort of fat or oil that, when it heats up, creates a polymer, and that polymer kind of seeps into basically like the pores on the pan, and it creates like a natural Teflon. So I have pans like an old 
Wagner, I guess, that is so old. When I fry an egg in there, I don't even need to use butter or oil. It mm-hmm. just, it, it, it's nonstick, essentially. Each family has a pan, and they can all mm-hmm. be sort of seasoned differently, depending right. on what that family cooks with it. Right. You know, and if you do, essentially, if the pan is really well seasoned, you're not getting any off flavors. So if you cook fish or you cook bacon, that fat really shouldn't seep in there. That polymer should really stick. But it's so really it's almost like a layer. It is. It's a productive okay. layer. Um, but really, how you season it, the oil that you choose to season it with is going to kind of affect the flavor. So some people use Crisco and some use lard. For me, I think the best thing that works is just a vegetable oil or a canola oil because then I don't have to worry about it being rancid. If I'm cooking for a vegetarian, I don't need to worry about it being a lard product. Oh, um, you just said the word rancid. And I'm yeah. thinking about... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking about... My family is from the South, Mm -hmm. right? So there has always been a jar of grease in my house. I have the same thing. There's been a jar of bacon grease. Like there's a jar of bacon grease and chicken grease and there's a jar of fish Mm -hmm. grease. And I know maybe that sounds gross, but it makes the food taste so good. To those of us who don't eat fish, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're kind of getting off topic, but how long before those things get rancid? Yeah. Are they keeping it countertop or in the fridge? Uh, I think they're, as far as I knew, it was on the countertop. Yeah, I mean, you see that a lot, an old coffee can or something that collects bacon grease. And the thing is, we have more access to things. Um, We have a bigger variety of things, just the way that the food industry is now. It Mm -hmm. has become cheaper for us to buy vegetable oil than it is to buy pork. That wasn't always the case. So even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, people were seasoning their cast iron pans or they were cooking more with animal fats. So they were Mm -hmm. cooking more with beef tallow or leaf lard or bacon drippings because it was available. It was utility. Everybody had it. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't getting time to go rancid because it was being used so frequently. In my fridge, I have one shelf that is chicken schmaltz, bacon grease, you know, and all my butters and and anything Mm -hmm. like that because the flavor that you get from them is unmatched. For instance, in my cast iron pan, I have a 12-inch cast iron pan that I do my roast chicken in. Mm -hmm. So I cut up onions really thin and use it kind of like as my roasting rack. And then I take just a whole chicken that I put uh, half a lemon or I'm sorry, a lemon cut in half and an onion cut in half and put it in the cavity. If you leave the cavity empty, you're going to create like this heat vacuum and your chicken's not going to cook evenly. So you just throw whatever in the cavity. And then I just do olive oil and salt and pepper on the outside and maybe a little lemon juice. Put it in my cast iron pan on the onion at 450 for an hour. I don't open up the oven. I don't touch it. I just know in an hour it's going to be done. I take it out and you get this beautiful, beautiful chicken schmaltz. It's like lemony and oniony and it drips down and I just pour that Mm. into and then when I have to cook something, I just have this little jar that I can just put a little dollop in. My God, it's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know, the cast iron works really well too because doing it in the cast iron A is just a pot that you have. It's perfect for roasting because the sides are shallow so you get more heat actually onto the chicken Mm. um, so the chicken skin gets crispier and it holds onto the heat so well that it pulls those drippings off. I guess it just browns everything a little bit better. But that's the other thing I like about cast iron is my kind of theory on stocking your kitchen is if you have too little, you're never going to cook. And if you have too much stuff, (laughs) you're never going to cook because you get so overwhelmed with, you know, it's the paradox of choice. Which pan am I going to use today? So if you just have a really good set of cast iron, you can do pretty much anything in them. And then you have no excuse not to cook. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure I could find one, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) So what would you cook in the cast iron in the summer if you had one choice? Um, oh, boy. I'd probably do some, like, really lovely fruit dessert on my grill. So I'd that probably nice. do, like, you know, when blueberry season or strawberry rhubarb. 
um, or peaches. Like you really, people live for those flavors in the summer, but nobody wants to turn on their oven in July no. or August. Yeah. <laughs> so you can definitely do that on the grill. You know, you put your heat up high. When you close down your grill, essentially you're creating radiant heat, just like in an oven. Um, and you can make your cobblers just like you would. So I would probably do like a blueberry cobbler. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of cobbler, I mean, yeah. we have some really delicious stuff in front of us here. Yeah. We have some cornbread and we have a apple. What is it called? Sure. It's basically an apple tart. The official apple name, tart. because okay. it's French, is tart to ten. Okay. And it is fancy. It I know, and it looks fancy. It is the easiest thing. I love making this for entertaining because it's so easy. Basically, all you're doing is putting a like an eight to ten inch cast iron pan over medium heat, taking half a stick of unsalted butter because you want to be able to control the salt mm -hmm. in your food, and just letting that melt. Doesn't need to brown. And then you take half a cup of sugar and sprinkle it over the top as evenly as you can, and then that will start to create a caramel, like a hard caramel. And the way that the cast iron kind of radiates its heat, it's going to get brown first in the center. And you're going to see that it's smoking, and it's going to smell like burning, and you're going to get freaked out. But I promise you, you did not bust it up. It is it is still fine. And you don't even need to stir it. You can kind of swirl swirl the pan around so you get some of that browning. But as soon as that middle really starts to get brown, turn off your burner and take it off the heat. Because cast iron holds onto heat so well, it's going to continue to cook everything for you, even though it's off the heat. Um, so you'll notice that you'll get this really nice amber color on your caramel. And then I just take some app six or seven large apples. Use something that's good for baking, like an Empire or a Macintosh or Cortland or a Golden Delicious works really well. You peel it, you core it, you cut it into quarters, and you put it round side down. And really pack them in there because they're going to lose liquid as they cook. Um, so they're going to get smaller. So really mm -hmm. pack them in there, almost overpack them. And then you just take a piece of puff pastry that you get out of the freezer section or refrigerator section and put that on the top. Put it in the oven for like 25 minutes at 425 it's going to get nice and golden on top. Let it cool right in the pan for about 10 or 15 minutes. Run a knife around it, just loosen it up, and you put a platter over it, and you flip it all in one big motion, and it basically upside down. And then just, you know, kind of knock on the bottom of the pan and pull it off. It comes right off, and um, you have this beautiful upside-down tart that's just, you know, lovely to look at. Yeah, thank you. And it looks nice, too. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you can season it. You can put in vanilla if you want. Cardamom is really nice. Cinnamon if you wanted to. Seems like a very nice thing for fall, too. Yeah, definitely. Think of apple picking. It. Yeah, because you always have apples left over that you can't possibly make another pie or finish. applesauce. Yeah. yeah. One bag is enough, even more yeah. than enough, but you just can't help yourself when yeah. you're staring at all these apples. It's so exactly. Nice. Yeah. And I jumped the gun. I'm already, as you were talking, I'm like Do it. cutting yeah. a little piece and eating I've it. I've already eaten a couple, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. And yeah. I like that the apple was cut into a larger chunk, yeah. so you get... It doesn't kind of disintegrate. Right. They kind of hold together, which is nice. I like that, too. I like to have, you know, differing textures. I like things to be soft in some cases and a little bit crunchy on others. And, you know, it just creates a more pleasurable eating experience, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. This is great. Thank you. Tell us about what is in the cast iron pan. That's uh, in yeah, it's just cornbread. Room. I say just cornbread. Like, everybody <laughs> makes cornbread. But it's cornbread is really easy. And I love to make it in cast iron, again, because it's just a pan that I have that cleans really easily. Mm -hmm. The thing I really like about cooking it in cast iron is that you can heat up that cast iron pan so it's really hot. And it almost, like, sears the outside. So you get this really nice kind of crust on the outside without overcooking the actual cornbread. So it stays still kind of moist and tender. But it's really easy. It's The recipe should be up on the WAMC website. And if you can't find it there, you can find it at facebook.com slash foxonfood, um, which is my, I guess, 
personal Facebook page. But it's really just cornmeal, flour, sugar, which some people will get upset about, but you can take the <laughs> corn you can take the, the sugar out if you need to. Salt, baking soda, baking powder. And then you take some melted butter, a couple of eggs, and some milk, and you mix that together. I like it with corn kernels in it. You could totally omit that. But I put a cup of corn kernels in mine. But a trick is if you and I didn't do it on this batch because I was I don't know, not thinking. Um, but usually if you take those corn kernels and you kind of roll them around in your dry ingredients, that little bit of flour will kind of help them stay suspended in the batter. And then you just, you know, you put the pan in at 425 while you're making the batter and get it really hot. Take it out, put a little melted butter in the pan, and you'll hear it sizzle and you'll actually see it pull away from the pan a little bit. So it's basically searing like you would sear a steak or any other piece of meat. Then you bake it, you turn the oven down to 375 and give it 20, 25 minutes. It's good. It's good with chili. It's good. It's good. Cornbread is good with anything. So. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I could just. It eat would be it by great itself. with some chili. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. The chili would be especially good, especially on like a damp, cold day. It's yeah. Perfect yes. to have chili and cornbread. It's delicious. Whenever Absolutely. football season comes, yeah. I start mm-hmm. getting the chili mix. Yeah, and actually, the really nice thing about cooking it in the cast iron pan is because it sears and kind of pulls away from the pan. You can just kind of loosen that with a knife or a little spatula, and it flips right out. So you can just wrap it in foil and take it wherever you need to take it. You don't have to worry about carting around this big pan with you, <laughs> mm-hmm. or you know, like a casserole dish or something. Yeah. yeah. And then you made this butter that is yeah. just amazing. I mean, the cornbread is delicious. <laughs> with this butter, it just makes it ten times better. Thanks. There are little things that you can do as a home cook that make your cooking seem really fancy. <laughs> it's not fancy. If you go to a restaurant, they're going to serve you something called composed butter or <laughs> compound butter, and it's just such a farce because it's just butter with stuff in it. Like it's not anything fancy. <laughs> you know, like a strawberry composed butter, compound butter. It's so just... when I go and I get yeah seafood and like honey butter with my hush puppies or it's whatever. Just... I'm only saying that because I went to Myrtle Beach recently and yeah. I got hush puppies and I got seafood and it's just... they made their own honey butter and I was like, oh, that's so unique. Just mm-hmm. butter and honey and salt and that's all it is. So this, <laughs> all it is is just stuff that I had laying around. So I had an extra stick of butter that was soft and I just put it in a bowl and I mashed it up with a fork, put in a little bit of lime zest. You could use a little lime juice, a couple of good pinches of salt and I had a, a jar of canned chipotles that were in adobo and I just took a couple of small spoonfuls of the adobo and that's really to taste if you like it spicier add more and just mix it in so it's this great orange color with little flecks of red and green Mm -hmm. in it and it's great um and really really quick um when people say a pinch of salt it's every (laughs) finger but your pinky so don't just go in with your forefinger and your thumb because that's not nearly enough so go in with your index your middle and your ring finger and your thumb like you're goosing somebody you know give them a little pinch (laughs) and put that in that's a pinch of salt yeah i did not know that i didn't know that either i thought a pinch was like pinch using your pinch fingers no (laughs) these all everything but your pinky is that your daily requirement of salt in one pinch (laughs) yeah it's actually you know a lot of people will come into my cooking classes and they talk about sodium like oh i have a low sodium diet and it's like when you're cooking with salt. When you're making food yourself from scratch, you're really not adding that much salt into anything. It's when you buy a lot of processed food. So people will buy low calorie canned soup, but they don't realize how much sodium is in there. Or they'll buy like frozen microwavable lunches. And there's a ton of sodium in those things. And really the amount of salt that you're putting into your food when you cook yourself versus what you buy in the store, you can't even come close. There are some alternatives. You can use like a potassium product as a salt that you can buy. You can find it in most grocery stores, but like a health food store would definitely have it. But for the most part of people who talk about, you know, I can't eat salt. It's like, well, you need salt. You need yes. sodium for your body mm-hmm. to operate. It's the the processed stuff that's going to kill you. I wanted to ask you about the cooking classes and what sort of experiences you have with people that are first time 
yeah. cooking with cast iron. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that people are just timid about is people don't go out and seek cast iron. It seems like most people who I've had in my classes, like you, Ashley, they have a grandmother who mm-hmm. passed something down, or they found something in a garage, or they found something in a tag sale, and it's completely rusted out. Usually we see rust as a bad thing, and it is a bad thing. You don't want that in your food, but it's so easy to get the rust out. Basically, my trick for it is a lemon and kosher salt, and you just scrub and try to get off any loose stuff. And once you get the loose stuff out, you can, you know, a little soap and water. It's Soap on cast iron is totally fine. Don't use industrial strength cleaner, but a little bit of Dawn or whatever you're using is with the hot water is completely fine. And just to make sure it's clean, there's no residue on there, and then you season it with whatever kind of fat. I don't recommend olive oil, but I would say you could use a Crisco, a vegetable oil, something like that. You just put it in an oven at like 400 for 30 minutes, turn the oven off, let it cool, and that's going to season it and just keep doing that until the rust is gone. So I think people just get really intimidated by cast iron. Plus, it's really heavy. (laughs) It's super industrial looking. It's not shiny and cool looking. You know, so people just are like, how can you possibly cook in that? But it's, I mean, once you learn how to cook in cast iron, you won't go back to anything else. The thing that I love about cast iron is I was telling Dave earlier that I could eat frittatas every single day. And being able to take whatever's left over, mm-hmm. I get a monthly, well, not a monthly, I get a weekly food subscription sometimes, mm-hmm. kind of like a CSA share, but mm-hmm. smaller. Mm-hmm. And whatever's left over at the end of the week, you just saute in a cast iron pan, crack mm-hmm. your eggs in there, throw it in the oven, sprinkle some cheese on top, you're good. Mm-hmm. And something like that is just, it's great. That and Dutch ovens and mm-hmm. anything like that where you can go from stovetop immediately into the oven and not have to worry about, you know, some of these pans now they have the plastic handle Mm -hmm. or some special thing Mm -hmm. with the top. So you can't just shove the whole thing in the oven without it exploding. Right. One of those tried and true Mm -hmm. methods of cooking. Yeah. And now they have these great little sleeves or silicone sleeves that go over the handle. So because I've done this so many times and it's amazing, (laughs) but I keep doing it. But you'll put it in the oven and then you'll leave it on the top of the stove to cool. And then you'll just instinctively go to grab it to turn it and do whatever you need to do. And you burn your hand right here all the time. So they have these little sleeves that you can put on there. So like I make fajitas. I have a little special cast iron fajita pan. And that thing just gets so stinking hot. I forget about it. So Mm -hmm. I have like a little one that has peppers on it that I can put on. People, I think cast iron is poised for a renaissance. We're going to have the new, the next wave of cast iron. I'm guessing you have kitchen hands. Yes, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I, um, yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) I just have nicks and burns and everything else. And it just becomes, they're battle scars. They're badges of honor after a certain Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. But if you're a really good cook, you start to develop knife skills and the frequency in which you cut yourself goes down a lot. So, you know, you get there eventually where it's not a problem. We like to end with a funny story. If you have any cooking story, teaching that comes to mind. Yeah, people ask me all the time because I didn't go to cooking school. I went, did my undergraduate and graduate degrees in history and political science. And I read a lot about food history and food politics. But I didn't go to cooking school. And I'm self-taught. And people always ask, like, how did you learn to cook? And I always say, well, my mother used to confuse the smoke alarm with the kitchen timer. (laughs) So she used to call it Cajun cooking, but it was just black. It was burnt. (laughs) Um, So when I was like nine, my mom would be in the kitchen or my dad. But I was like cooking the family meals. For me, cooking is the most direct conduit of love. If you really care about somebody, feed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to kind of communicate with people and kind of show a piece of yourself and your culture. And if the food is good, people will just love you more. That's yeah. a very nice way to end right there. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. being with us, Deanna. Ah, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. That was Deanna Fox, local food blogger and longtime Food Friday contributor, talking to us about cast iron cooking. 
This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.